to see you all here. And welcome to everyone who's joining us on the live stream. It's a beautiful Lord's Day morning. Yes, yes it is. And uh, I wanted to, just a few beginning thoughts that uh, everyone has different abilities and talents and we're supposed to serve to the best of our ability and use the talents that we have. And uh, I spent this week listening to some of the sermons and some of the classes from uh, last month. And I thought, well, uh, I'll just say I would like to improve. And But everybody has different abilities, and you serve with what you have. Amen. And maybe a little, maybe a, a lot, but... God wants you to serve with everything you have right. and he'll and just to use your talents and he'll bless that and he'll give you more. Amen. That's right. And uh, well today I wanted to the title of the class is uh, misconceptions about Jesus's purpose debunked. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was going to I've been studying this for a couple months. And most misconceptions about Jesus start with things like, well, uh, did he have long hair? Was he, where was he born? You know, uh, people have misconceptions. Like, the, the scripture clearly says that Jesus was Mary's firstborn son, mm-hmm. which would indicate that Mary was not, did not remain a virgin, but had other children later, and Jesus was just a firstborn. Mm-hmm. And it lists in Matthew 12, and Matthew 13, his other brothers enlists four of his brothers by name and, and that he had at least two sisters. And again, most likely, Jesus was probably not born on December 25th. Mm-hmm. We don't know the date. It's not written. Right. I would say it's not important. But I mean, uh, and uh, you could probably show that the uh, mm-hmm. wise men did not show up to the stable on the same day that the shepherds were there. Uh, I mean, these are things and you uh, I've read that Jesus died from the spear stuck in his side. Well, that he didn't have a spear stuck in his side when he was on the cross, but he gave up his life. He did not, no one took it from him. He died before, and the spear indicated that he was already dead. Jesus, when he was in the tomb, he didn't swoon. He didn't just pass out and then come back. And, uh, and his disciples did not steal the body to make it, to fake the resurrection. I mean, this was a true account of what happened to Jesus. Amen. But these are uh, things, these might be important things to talk about, but those are, they don't really contribute much to spiritual insight and understanding. I mean, if, of course, the truth of the Bible is important. But we want to point about, uh, study about things that are uh, specifically about Jesus' purpose. And so if you want to know about somebody, Somebody in the past. I mean, how would you know about George Washington? I never personally shook hands with him. I mean, I believe he existed. You'd have to depend on what people wrote about him or what he himself said, or maybe he has a video on YouTube. Well, of course, George Washington probably used Twitter instead. But, um, no, you'd have to look at the people that knew them. Well, if we're studying Jesus, we want to look at people who knew him, who wrote about him, who were his closest friends, and uh, the apostles were trustworthy eyewitnesses who saw everything that Jesus did, and they recorded it in the, in the New Testament of the Bible. 
And there's four books called the Gospels that are written by the apostles. And all these Gospels were written within one generation. I say probably 30 years, maybe 40 years at the outside, that these Gospels were written. And I'm leaning towards the 30 years. Or, but we don't know. We don't have the... Did they date it? Do we have an actual copy of the original dated this day in 66 AD? Well, I don't think they started keeping time that way until... We, we don't know. But... Uh, these Gospels were written by people who actually knew Jesus, saw him, heard him, yes. traveled around with him, and were his closest friends. Now, three of the Gospels were written by apostles. Uh-huh. One was written by a doctor yeah. and a historian named Luke who traveled around with Paul. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Matthew, who is also known as Levi, was one of Jesus' 12 disciples. And he spent three and a half years with Jesus and faithfully recorded um, his sermons. And this is just a side note, but I believe that as... Uh, Levi, his, his job as a tax collector, he would have had to study note-taking and maybe shorthand and stenography. And he has the most complete record of Jesus' sermons. I mean, he goes into more detail about Jesus' sermons. And it, it doesn't record why that is, but it's just a side note. But it, Simon Peter was probably Jesus' closest friend while he was here on earth. Now, he... Uh, the, the Gospel of Mark is Peter's gospel, but it was recorded by, I believe, his. Uh, it was John Mark, who was the nephew of Barnabas, who traveled around with Apostle Paul and with Barnabas. But Peter himself claimed to be an eyewitness. He, in uh, 1 Peter 5.1, he said he was a, a witness of the sufferings of Christ. In his second epistle, he claims that he was an eyewitness of the events of Jesus' life in 2 Peter 1.16. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. And Luke, he's called the beloved physician in Colossians 4.4. He carefully interviewed eyewitnesses, I'm sure including Peter and John, and other people who, so he's not an apostle, but he, he records in the very beginning of his gospel, Luke chapter 1, 1 through 4, that he interviewed eyewitnesses. He made a very orderly account of the life of Christ, maybe chronologically more orderly. Uh, there's so much to learn about them, but there's a accompanying book that Luke wrote called the Book of Acts, and he records that Jesus showed himself alive after... Uh, his resurrection being seen of them 40 days as Acts 1-3 and Jesus' final instructions to his apostles were you shall be witnesses unto me and then the Lord Jesus was taken up into heaven while they beheld as Acts 1-8-9 and later Peter preached that God had raised up his son Jesus Christ from the dead and he said, whereof we are all witnesses, as Acts 2.32. In his first sermon, he was a witness of Christ. Yes. He, he said uh, in Acts chapter 3, at the incident with the uh, lame man at the temple, mm-hmm. when he was uh, arrested, he, he said, speaking of Christ, whom God hath raised yeah. from the dead, whereof we are witnesses, Acts 3.15. Yeah. In Acts chapter 5, Peter said, We are witnesses 
of these things. Acts 5, verse 30. And after being arrested for preaching, Peter and John said, We cannot but speak those things which we have seen and heard. Acts 4.20. When Peter met Cornelius and preached to Cornelius, who's a Gentile, and the Gospels opened up to Gentiles for the first time, Acts chapter 10, verse 39 to 41, he says, We are witnesses of all things which he did. So now we have the Apostle John, who was a brother of James, and he was the disciple whom Jesus loved. And he was an eyewitness of Jesus' transfiguration. And he, he, he writes this of Jesus. And the, uh, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, John 1.14. When Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, in Luke chapter 11, and then later, in the very next chapter, John 12, when Jesus entered Jerusalem, riding on the donkey for the triumphal entry, John was among those who bear record of it, John 12.17. So we have uh, all these people who are eyewitnesses. And John saw Christ being crucified. He was at the foot of the cross looking up at Jesus. And in John chapter 19, verse 35, he said, he's speaking of himself, he said, He that saw it, bear record, Mm -hmm. and his record is true, and he knoweth that he saith true that ye might believe. Mm -hmm. He also witnesses Jesus' resurrection. In John chapter 20, he was one of the first two people that went to the... uh, grave and saw that the body was not there and then later Jesus appeared to him in the upper room with the other ten with the other uh, he witnessed the ascension of Jesus into heaven in Luke chapter 24 verse 50 through 52 and Acts 1, 8 and 9 so these apostles were eyewitnesses in John chapter 21 verse 24 John says speaking of his own eyewitness testimony he says we know that his testimony is true. He's speaking in the third person of himself. And in John chapter 20, verse 30, John writes that Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples. In his first epistle, John says concerning Christ, We have heard, we have seen with our eyes, our hands have handled. He goes on further, We have seen it and bear witness. In John, 1 John chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. Amen. And later he declares, We have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. 1 John four fourteen. So, for this study, we're going to depend solely on these reliable accounts contained in the Gospels. Yes. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we're going to ignore what uninspired men have written yeah. about Jesus. We're going to focus specifically on Jesus' own words, which were recorded. Mm-hmm. And we're going to look at the purpose of Jesus. Uh-huh. And particularly, we're going to look at what Jesus said he did not come to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're not dependent on guesswork in these matters, because we have a written record of Jesus' own yeah. words to read and study. And there's many direct quotations from Jesus himself about his mission, his purpose. And we're going to, this is the second part in a series studying the purpose for Jesus. But this is a, a misconceptions about Jesus' purpose debunked. We're going to look at these words of Jesus as he clearly, forcefully, and unambiguously 
expresses what his purpose and mission was not. And hopefully we'll explode some popular myths concerning Jesus' motivation, his purpose, his ministry, his teaching, who he came for, and the results of what he came to do. So the first one is popularly understood that uh, Jesus came only for good people, for the righteous. That you have to uh, meet a certain standard of behavior before you can come to Christ. You, you have to have some righteousness. Now, there's only two ways of att attaining righteousness. That's the righteousness of God or being self-righteous. And uh, uh, having been self-righteous for much of my life, I would uh, say I'm not the best person to be up here to teach this lesson, but uh, Jesus is commonly taught that you have to be, uh, reach a certain standard of behavior of righteousness before you can come to Christ. You, you change your life and then you come to Christ. And a second misconception I've heard is that repentance is not necessary. You just believe in Christ and then there's no need for repentance. Repentance comes later when you're sanctified as a means of removing sin. Well, those are, and I've heard both of these. Uh, so the question is, uh, well, first let's look at what Jesus actually said about this. And this is in uh, Mark chapter 2. So turn to Mark chapter 2 with me. When uh, Jesus was eating, the scribes and the Pharisees saw him eat with publicans and sinners. And they said, unto his disciples. Now notice they didn't talk to Jesus. They talked to his disciples. How is it that he eateth and drinketh with publicans and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he saith unto them, They that are whole have no need of a physician, but they that are sick. Now here's a statement that Jesus made himself concerning his purpose and what it was not. He said, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. And then the operative word is to repentance. Most translations leave that phrase of repentance out, indicating that there's no need for repentance. You just come as a sinner. He accepts you as you are and you continue your life merrily down the road, continue living in sin while he accepts you while you sin. But let's, let's examine that. And uh, we, we have, in Jesus' day, there were people who were very, very righteous, according to the law of the Pharisees. And Paul himself had said that he kept the law in every respect, that he didn't, uh, he didn't break the law. But that's only an outward show you can keep the law perfectly like Paul did or like the Pharisees. I mean, you can even count all your seeds when you harvest and tithe, count the seeds. Oh, okay. You can uh, do everything just perfect, but your heart can still be wicked. Yeah. And your mind can be corrupt. And that's a standard of self-righteousness, which is appearance of righteousness on the outside, but on the inside is not changed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And... Jesus didn't come to call people who are already righteous in their own eyes because they have no, they don't, you know, if a person won't accept the fact that they're sick, they won't go to a doctor. If a person thinks they're already righteous, then they won't go to get the true righteousness. And so, anyone have any thoughts about this? 
These are just uh, some observations. Well, we know that repentance is... Uh, I have a bunch of scriptures to go through. But we know that uh, repentance is linked to salvation. In Second uh, Corinthians 7, verse 10, mm-hmm. it says, Godly sorrow worketh right. repentance yeah. to salvation. To so that would be a, a result of repentance. That's it would right. be salvation. Yeah. Brother Robert. Yeah, the Holy Spirit convicts men of sin, righteousness, and judgment to come. So he'll he'll lead you to to, to, to repentance. And unless he, in fact, unless he you, you, you're you're given see to see that you are unrighteous, this um thing about repentance that's why it's drifted to the background in our in our time, because men for the most part they, they you know they they may think well we need something but you know this thing about always having you know, to admit that you're you're not righteous or of yourself. This is a... Man's always had a problem with this. See, they, every man's ways are right in his own eyes. And so he can just... He'll look at somebody else and he can say, he needs to repent. But but see, this thing of, of, of being able to examine yourself is, is sin has made that... Made us deficient in that capacity. We need out, an outside source, which yeah. is the Holy Spirit, to convict us of sin, and and and, and but He'll do it. He's faithful. And um, but see, in order for that to occur, somebody's got to preach the gospel, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes, Brother Justin. Yeah, uh, repentance isn't like a repeat after me kind of a That's right. kind of a thing. Like repeat this prayer after me and and ask Jesus to come into your heart kind mm-hmm. of a thing. It's a it's a the Holy Spirit is actually changing the person's mind about what they're doing. It it, it, it allows the person to see sin for what it actually is, and it, and it, it, they're they're made sorry. A person that's given to repentance is actually made sorry for what they've done. You can't repent unless you're sorry for what you've done. Yeah. Very good. Yeah, this is one of the disadvantages of living in the kind of society we live in. Yeah, that's right. A profligate society with this excessive immorality and this yeah. sort of thing, so that a person who is civil mm-hmm. and just, just doesn't do these outward things looks like he's all, see, that's, that's a handicap. So people compare yeah. themselves with themselves. Yeah. So we live in a society where it's, there's excessive sin. Yeah. Amen. Sister June. You mentioned specifically uh, the Apostle Paul and others uh, of that time that had a righteousness that uh, that looked very good to men. Yeah. They knew the Scripture. Yeah. But they didn't. They didn't really know the Scripture because the law came to teach it, a schoolmaster to yeah. teach us. Amen. That we needed a savior, right. and they didn't learn what the law was teaching. Mm-hmm. They thought they were they were keeping the law. They mm-hmm. were keeping the form of the law, but the law, if you'll listen to it, will tell you mm-hmm. you are condemned. You are not righteous. You mm-hmm. need a savior. Mm-hmm. Amen, brother Robert. Uh, um, Romans three twenty three. Uh, Paul just like cuts to the quick here, and he says, "For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God." So I mean, it's, there isn't anyone. Just, so Jesus was basically saying, it, there, "There isn't anyone that doesn't need to repent." 
It's just like you said, some people don't believe they that they need to repent. Yeah. 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 Brother Given. Yeah, there, I know people that have quoted that we didn't help to receive the call of righteous to repent, thinking that there was such a thing as a righteous yeah. person. Yeah. But mm-hmm. the, the scripture says there's none righteous, they no, not one. They imagined they were righteous. Yeah. Amen. So he, Jesus was telling them, I didn't come to save you. Yeah, that's right. And he never addressed words to him as though he did. Yeah, yeah. But he, he, knew he had all words things. to the Pharisees. Yeah, he knew all things. And he, he calls them. Like that, but he, he calls never them snakes. Addressed a favorable word to the Pharisees. No, no. Yeah. he calls them snakes and vipers and mm-hmm. whitewashed right. tombs and blind guides. And he says, "How can you believe? How? How? He, I mean, that's quite a question for Jesus to to, to lay it at their door." How can you believe they love the praises of men more than the praises yeah. of God? That made it impossible for them to believe. Yeah, and he went back to Moses, too. He said, <clears throat> I'm not come to condemn, mm-hmm. but you do have one that condemns you. Yeah, that's right. Even Moses, mm-hmm. in whom you trust. If you can't, if you don't believe his writings, <clears throat> how can you hear my words? Amen. Yeah. Well, uh, there's scriptures, uh, repentance is linked to conversion, your mm-hmm. sins being blotted out, and times are refreshing from the presence of the Lord. Acts 3.19 mm-hmm. says, Repent ye therefore, be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, and times are refreshing come from the presence of the Lord. So, if you don't repent, and you're not converted, how could you have your sins blotted out? Just a question. You, you wouldn't have that. Mm-hmm. Notice that repentance is granted by God. Mm-hmm. It's not something you could just do on your own. That's right. And is linked with Life, mm-hmm. repentance unto life. Acts eleven, eighteen. When they heard the report about Peter mm-hmm. visiting Cornelius and Cornelius being converted, mm-hmm. then they, when they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, mm-hmm. "Then have God also to the Gentiles granted repentance yeah. unto life." Yes, that's right. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's up to God to give repentance. Yes, it's not an entitlement. Amen. Contrary to popular belief, yes, you can't. Don't just assume that you can always repent and get out of your sin. Mm-hmm. What if you get trapped in it and you can't get back out? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. In Second Timothy two twenty five, mm-hmm. it's talking about people that oppose themselves mm-hmm. in, in meekness, mm-hmm. instructing those that oppose themselves. If God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. Yes, Amen. So. Uh, <laughs> It's linked, repentance is linked with faith. Amen. It's the foundational teaching, Hebrews chapter 6. Uh, repentance and faith towards God. Yes. Repentance then leads the person to acknowledge. That's right. The truth. Acknowledge doesn't mean to admit. Uh-huh. It means you conform to the truth. That's you acknowledge right. this is yeah. true, I'm going to conform to that. Repentance leads you to that kind of a posture. Amen. Amen. Brother Robert. Yeah, we have this in, in Acts 3. You're reading. These men started out the day thinking that the apostles were drunk, right? But the, this is what sound preaching will do. He, he's, he brings it up. He doesn't like, like curb. Them. I don't want to offend these people. I want to try to bring them into the kingdom. He says, you denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murder to be granted anew and killed the Prince of Life. Now, their dilemma was they saw it. And he said, well, what must we do? What can we do to fix this? 
He says, repent and be baptized, every one of you. See, to how godly preaching leads men to repentance. Yeah. The Holy Spirit's involved in that. He'll take up take up the truth in men's hearts, and, and, and it, 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 the Holy Spirit will make it real to them. We really did this. They, they were convicted because they had really done it. And so, so this is why the, it, repentance has fallen to the background in our generation because men don't, for the most part, preach the gospel. They preach something. And, and I'm not accusing a certain group or a certain person. I'm just, in general, our dilemma is that the gospel's not being preached like it was at, at this time. Yeah. And because of that, repentance is actually not even on the table. When you don't preach the gospel... It's, a, it's just not. Holy Spirit doesn't have anything to work with. Yeah. Very, very true. Brother Given. Yeah, there's no place where people are told that God gives repentance, which he does, who haven't repented. Yeah, that's right. That's only told people who have repented. Uh-huh. It, accounts right. for, it accounts for their repentance. Amen. That's right. Same thing with faith. It was uh-huh. given you to believe, but that's not... That's not preached to people who don't believe that God can give you to believe. No, that's after you believe. That's right. Then he tells you what, Amen. what yeah, really yeah. happened. That's right. In the church of Thyatira, uh, Jesus said, uh, that church, I gave her space to repent. Amen. And she repented not. Amen. So God will give people opportunity and ample opportunity. And it's his goodness that leads us to repentance. But right. if people don't take that opportunity, yeah. then the result will be they'll be lost in their sin. Yeah. Let's move on to the next one. A misconception concerning the law. And I'll just read the scripture. Matthew five seventeen. This is Jesus' words. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy but to fulfill. Well, it's popularly taught today that the law does not exist anymore. God destroyed the law when, he, when Jesus was on the cross the law was done away with and nailed to the cross. And so we're not under law anymore, but under grace. It is true we're not under law, but under grace. But the law, uh, I urge anyone who has these thoughts to study what God's Word said about His law. It's eternal. It's perfect. It's holy and just and good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right, yeah. Yeah, this was, this was standard teaching in the group I was with, I was affiliated with. That the law was nailed to the cross. That's uh-huh. and that was standard teaching. But it, it wasn't. The law wasn't destroyed. And the, it's based on this verse in Colossians. Uh, the law is done away with as a means of becoming righteous. Amen. Yeah, that's right. And here's the verse, Colossians two, thirteen and fourteen. Mm-hmm. And you, being dead in your sins and uncircumcision of your flesh, flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. So, here we go. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. So, just like Martin Luther took the 95 Theses and (laughs) nailed them to the church door, it's taught that the entire God's entire law was nailed to the cross, so the law is done away with. Yeah. And uh, that is not what it says. Right. It says the ordinances Amen. were nailed to the cross. The handwriting of ordinances. Uh-huh. Now, there's two aspects of this. Suppose you're a prisoner, 
and you're in a jail, and they on that side of your jail cell, they put a list. Right? Here's the crimes. Right. Stole candy from a baby. <laughs> Ran around with scissors. You know, uh, drunk driving, whatever that, it is. The thing that distinguished the Jews from the other nations wasn't the law of Ten Commandments. Yeah, that's right. There were other laws that had that those also. Uh-huh. But it was it. It was how they were fulfilled. That is what this that's what distinguished them from the other people. Yeah, right. And when they didn't keep them, when they didn't do those, uh-huh. that's what made them like the other people. Yeah, right. Well the same thing exists today. People that act like sinners are sinners. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Sister June. Yeah. Jesus said that he wasn't come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. In another place it's written that he made it honorable. Yes, so that's right. Yeah. The, the, the law was, a, uh, or is, an expression of God's character. Mm-hmm. And so it that's not going to change. Mm-hmm. It's always going to be wrong to kill. It's always going to be wrong to lie and mm-hmm. bear false witness. It's all... Those things are always going to be wrong. That's right. And it's always going to be right to love the Lord your God with all your heart and mind and soul and strength. That hasn't changed. But like you said, it is the the handwriting of ordinances. The the living by rote, line upon line, precept Uh upon precept. You get up and you do this. And I remember uh, there was a, a whole bunch of books at one time written and this one woman she was trying to yeah. tell all the other ladies how to be godly and you get up at five and you jog for 30 minutes and and then you come back and you make breakfast and then wow. you read your bible for 15 minutes and then see that is rote that's right you can uh-huh. do all of that without a thought of god in your head that's right. yeah. i did this that this is a new yeah. and a living way yeah. that jesus Amen. Uh-huh. brother justin yeah, the difference is, is we're not we're not doing right to become righteous. We do righteousness because we are righteous. Yeah. It's, there's a different thing there. He whoever does righteousness is righteous, right. even as he is righteous. Very good. The, this teaching that the law yeah. was done away with yeah. Yeah. is a desperate attempt to take away the authority of God yeah, and His perfect law, Amen. even among the professing church. Mm-hmm. Now, here's a question. If the law is done away with, then why would he write it on our hearts and minds? Well, I mean, what would there be written there if the law is done away with? Amen. Just a question. That's a contradiction. That's right. Yeah. Jeremiah 31. Write it in your mind and put it in your heart. Yes. 33, he said, I will put my law in your inward parts and write it in their hearts. Romans 2.15, the the law written in their hearts. In fact, actually, non-believers have God's law written in their hearts. Not uh, the same way that believers do, yeah, but the, right. it, it convicts them of sin. That's right. They know God's law and they ignore it mm-hmm. because if they, if they, uh, their conscience yes. gets corrupt. But God's law does not get changed. Amen, brother Dennis. So, so then the question would be, um, religion versus morality, because you can be moral. And not be a believer. So where's the difference with that then? You can be immoral and according to the world standards. Immoral and be a believer. Uh, So you can't be immoral and be a believer. Okay. But moral 
and whose standards would the morality be? I mean, if you compare society, that's that's part of the point. I'm, I'm you could take to a make. baby and kill it right now, and you'd probably not get in trouble. Right. That's horrendous. I mean, there's a lot of things that are legal today that are not. I mean, whose standards are we using? If we use God's standards for morality, that's what we should compare yeah, that's, ourselves that's to. That's the point. Is, is God defines morality, yeah. not man. Yeah. And God's, man, morality means you didn't right. break human law. Uh-huh. But the morality, more true morality is defined by God. And it defi- it, more true morality involves thinking as well as doing. Uh-huh. Yeah, right. Uh-huh. Sister Actually, June. human law is an expression of the concept of morality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, the, the, but there, man is made in the image of God, and everyone has, has to have some standard by which they live. And uh, that standard can look good and be just as corrupt as, as anything uh-huh. is corrupt. Mm-hmm. The point is, not what do men think should be right and wrong? What has God said? Yeah. And that, like I said before, the law is an expression of, of God's nature. Yeah, he does not change. Mm-hmm. And if men live in ignorance, or if they deny, whatever it is, you, whatever reason, when they move from that standard, they are wrong, always. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Always. And it's never going to be any different right. from the passing of the earth. And righteousness is going to express itself in a, in a very similar way on the other side. Not by rules and regulations, but by living uh, in complete uh, harmony of thought and, and desire and everything being conformed to our measure of the image of Christ in a, in a perfect manner. But he's he's the same. He doesn't he doesn't move. The standard doesn't move, and it's a completely erroneous uh, concept that men can bring in human culture to this. Yeah. No, human culture should be defined and conformed to what God yeah. has said. That is the truth. Yeah. Brother Given. In in the kingdom of God, it's immoral. Not to believe in God. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's immoral not to trust Christ. Yeah. It's immoral not to follow Christ. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's immoral. Yeah, that's right. But in some governments today, uh-huh. it's immoral to believe in God or to follow Christ. Yeah. Brother Marty. I think if I was to put it in a nutshell, the dilemma that Brother Dennis has mentioned is if you're not a believer, you don't know the truth. Yeah. If you don't know the truth, don't know what's right or wrong. That's right. It's as simple as that. Yeah. Uh, That's right. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And, uh, Immorality is simply a, a definition of right and wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But God is the one that. God's standard is. is his definition. He says, "Be perfect, yeah, as your Father in heaven is perfect." A sliding, a sliding rules. See, if, yes. if if the society becomes decadent, it's all right to have be drunk and have riots. It's, yeah. it's all right. See, they have a sliding rule, but God mm-hmm. doesn't. Amen. See, the early church, what they were doing, they thought they were right in That's doing right. that, even though That's right. Paul That's told right. them, "You guys are fools and." You don't know what that's, you're doing. That's it. Huh? 
I have more about the law written in the hearts. We delight in the law yep. of God after the inward man. Amen. Romans 7, 22. Mm-hmm. Uh, concerning the righteous, so the law of God is in his heart, and his, none of his That's steps right. shall slide. Amen. Speaking Amen. of Christ, Psalm 40, verse 8. Christ speaking. I delight to do thy will, O, That's right. o my God. Yea, thy law is within my heart. Yes. And uh, so we have it written... Uh, in our uh, heart, Second Corinthians three three, the law written not with ink but with the Spirit of the Living God, not in tables of stone, but in the fleshy tables Amen. of the heart. Amen. And Hebrews eight ten and eleven, well, this is uh, the new covenant that He will write the laws yes. in their minds and write them in their hearts. Mm-hmm. And then again in Hebrews ten sixteen, so uh, just it was the ordinances. Yep. They were nailed to the cross. Amen. Those are all those instructions. That's right. For example, the fourth commandment, honor the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Well, then people have interpreted that now to the point you can't flip on a light switch. Uh-huh. You can't push a button in an elevator. Right. You can't, uh, you'd have to hire someone to do all these things for you. Yeah. You can't cook. So, I mean, you can't even turn on your oven. You have a, oh, you get around that, you have an oven that's timed to go on and off at a certain time. So, but does that really keep the Sabbath day? No. I mean, those are just yeah. rules to keep, and you can't become righteous by keeping rules. Amen. When it comes to like commandments, there are superior. Yes. Like Seventh Day Sabbath, there's a superior rest. That's right. The rest is in Christ. It's in That's Hebrews right. chapter four. A superior rest that the Jews that kept the Sabbath never did yeah. rest. That's right. Like God said, so a greater rest comes of that overshadowed the other Sabbath. Okay, Brother Marty. The the beautiful example I just remember that is when Jesus healed the paralytic. Mm -hmm. And he told the man to get up and take his bed and walk. And the Pharisees came after two of them. They came up to Jesus because, you know, he told the man to do what he did. And he came up to the the man that was healed because he was carrying his bedroll. <laughs> and it was the Sabbath day. Yeah. They were that far entrenched. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. See, when the law is written on your heart, all you need to know is what God commands or does. Mm-hmm. Then mm-hmm. you, you want to do it. See, that's that's the difference. That's right. Amen. That's why they had the ordinances. The people didn't want to do it. That's right. So he, he forced them to do it at the penalty of death. Amen. But when it's written on your heart, just tell them what he wants. Now that's a big difference when um, they didn't have it written on their heart. And and under the new covenant, you do have it written on your heart. So but now you can do whatever you do, heartily as unto the Lord, not as unto men, and he'll receive it. Because it's written on your heart. You're doing it for him. He realizes that. He sees it. So, I mean, you could, you, if, if today you got to scrub a floor, you scrub it for the Lord and he'll receive that. Now, see, that's, that's, that's a new, that's a new and a living way. Yeah. You can do everything. It, it, in, this, in this new covenant, everything's for the Lord. And if it's not, actually, it's doubtful whether or not he'll receive anything. If you're going to hold back, well... He's going to hold back. He says, any man draw back, my soul have no pleasure in him. So see, this is this kind of religion that's promoted that says you can be a part-time. Really, they're promoting part-time believers. It's a one hour a week and God will be satisfied. I don't think that that's possible. 
I mean, this is more under the law than, they, than they've even recognized. The law mentality produces that. Amen. Well, I'm going to read the scripture of Matthew 9, 13. Go and learn what this meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. That's the first one. The second one is concerning the law. Matthew five seventeen. Think not that I come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to, ful- to destroy, but to fulfill. Amen. Now I have the third one. I have... Uh, There's a common misconception. If you uh, come to Christ, everything will be all better. Your marriage will be better. Your relationships will be better. You, your work, everything will be better. And uh, that it just makes people be able to get along with each other when, because of Christ. We just follow the teachings of Christ. But that's a misconception. Jesus said he did not come to bring peace the way the world gives peace. Mm-hmm. And here's the scripture in Matthew chapter 10, verse 32 to 39. Verse 34 is the text. It says, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. Now here's Jesus' purpose statement in a negative fashion. Mm-hmm. Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace but a sword. Amen. For I am come. This is Jesus saying his purpose. I am come to. His purpose. I am come to set a man at variance against his father and the daughter against her mother and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes shall be they of his own household. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it. And he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. So the common misconception is Jesus just makes everything all better. And everybody will be blessed with peace because of Christ. Well, what if one person is a believer and one person is not a believer? And one person is conscientiously trying to serve God and the other one is not. And the person who has God's law written in their heart will do everything they can to, to please God. And the other one is enmity with God and cannot please God, cannot serve God, and can't have peace with God. Now, Jesus' statement was, Think not that I'm come to send peace on earth. I come not to send peace, but a sword. Now the question is, in Luke chapter 2, the angels appeared to the shepherds announcing Jesus' birth and said, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. And uh, so yes, he came to bring peace, and he's the prince of peace, so he just makes everybody more peaceful. But that's a misconception. If someone's following Christ, they'll be at peace with God and with at peace with their fellow man. But if a person is not, then they won't have peace. Yeah, that's right. there's, uh, there's two kingdoms. Mm-hmm. There's the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. Mm-hmm. And you're in one of those two camps. That's right. If a person... This is hard to receive, but if a person is uh, 
a human being, mm -hmm. they're in Satan's kingdom. Yeah. When they're born, they're in Satan's kingdom. You have to be taken out of Satan's kingdom and transferred into mm -hmm. God's kingdom. And that's not popularly received either. But uh, there's, if people are still, if, suppose you have uh, the North and the South during the Civil War fighting with each other. You'd have people from the same family fighting on opposite sides. And there wouldn't be peace in the family. Well, this is a much more real yeah. battle between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. Yes. And so if a person is still in Satan's kingdom, they can't please God and can't serve him. And yeah. that, will be, that will cause enmity. Now, a sword, yeah. he said he's, he did not come to send peace, but a sword. Yes. Now, he is the prince of peace. He did not come to bring peace the way the world brings it. Yeah. It's... Yes, if you make peace by compromising your standards or your morals, or well, you know, uh, we'll just agree to disagree, mm -hmm. and so it's okay for you to kill these babies over here, and I'm just I'll just say okay, that's fine with me, and we'll have peace. Or it's okay for there to be a, a liquor store on every corner, mm -hmm. and a casino, and. Uh, and I'm just picking on things that are obvious that people see. Yeah. It, it, there could be any number of things mm -hmm. that cause this. I'm not picking on those things just... Right. But if a, a person is in the kingdom of God, they're at peace with God. So they do have that peace. That's the peace that Jesus came. If we have peace with God yeah. and fellowship with God, then we have fellowship with yes, one another. Amen. But a person who is not, won't receive that peace, does not have peace, and he said he came to bring a sword... What is a sword used for? A sword is used to divide. When uh, Solomon, the wisest king that ever lived, two, uh, two ladies came and they were fighting over a baby. And he said, well, uh, they both said it's their baby. They said, okay, cut the baby in half. Mm -hmm. Well, they used a sword to divide. Yeah. They each get half of the baby. And yeah. they figured out who the real mother was because yeah. she wouldn't let the baby be killed. She would rather see it go to someone else. Yes. just to keep it alive. Yeah. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, the sword of the Spirit is used to divide between... Yes, Brother Given. In Scripture, there are people today trying to make religious peace. They get together and try and get... Uh -huh. But in Scripture, you start out united with Christ and united with everybody in Christ That's and right. you're told to keep the unity. That's right, yes. Keep the unity and spirit of peace. And, and when he said, be at peace among yourselves, it's the, mm -hmm. that's not to let any divisions yes. occur. But the peace that we have with one another, when you're born again, you've got it. That's right. And the job is to keep it. Amen. Some yes. people haven't, you know. Amen. Brother Robert. You know, this. Uh, Jesus is saying a lot in, in this text. He, he, he's, he's, he's implying, now I know this may be hard in our generation, he's implying that some people are worthy of him and other people aren't worthy yes, of him. Right. And the distinction is made on whether or not you love Jesus first. If you, if you love Jesus first, then, see now this is it's a positive spin on this. If you know, you know if you love Jesus first. 
and that's your confirmation that you're worthy of him. Now, this is a great, a great blessing to be able to experience this. That when, when you're, when see, it, it won't be quite as cut and dry in, in real life. It'll be like you have to make a decision. Are you gonna, are you gonna compromise and and do this thing that is is expected of you? Or are you gonna say no because I love Jesus? Now, when you do that, you'll have the confirmation in yourself. You'll know Jesus is pleased. Jesus is, and, and see, this is a great, a great blessing to be able to make this distinction that Jesus, that not only does Jesus love you, but you love Jesus first. And that's what Jesus is teaching here. Now, now it, it, the Pharisees, I, I don't think that they they fit into this a lot. I think no. that they, they had other agenda. They had another agenda, like you started out. They had another purpose. Jesus also had a purpose for saying this. You know, he he wanted this is this is going to going to work in those for a blessing that do love you more, and then and, and they're going to be able to make this distinction. What what really do I love the most? Jesus is is. He's not afraid to put the truth out there. This is the truth. <coughs> Jesus is faithful. Very good. Very, Very good. good yeah, the only way to have peace is if both members of the family mm-hmm. both turn to God. Yes. For peace on earth to occur, all, everybody on the earth has to turn to God for there to be peace, true peace on earth. Yes. Mm-hmm. If, But since that's not the case, there's this civil war going on between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan yes. and it's we have peace yes. in 2 Timothy 3.12 yea and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution yes. brother given in the world peace is negotiated yeah that's right <laughs> give up this we'll yeah. give up that see uh-huh. that, that in society alright that's, that's, that's acceptable in the business world places like that but when it comes to the things of God mm-hmm. It's not that way. He That's made right. peace. He declared peace. He made peace. He made peace. Well, one, one, one more. Mm-hmm. So we have uh, the scripture, Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace but a sword. So we're looking at the Jesus' statements about what he did not come to do. Yeah, right. He did not come to bring peace but a sword. Okay. Uh, a misconception concerning ministry. In uh, Mark chapter 10... There's James and John were having a, they wanted to be high up in the kingdom of God. And I'll just read this. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came unto him, saying, Master, we would that thou shouldest do for us whatsoever we shall desire. And he said unto them, What would ye that I shall do for you? They said unto him, Grant unto us that we may sit, one on thy right hand and the other on thy left hand in thy glory. Jesus said unto them, Ye know not what ye ask. Can you drink of the cup that I drink of and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they said unto him, We can. (laughs) Jesus said unto them, Ye shall indeed drink of the cup that I drink of, and with the baptism that I baptize with all shall ye be baptized. But to sit on my right hand and on my left hand is not mine to give, Mm -hmm. but shall be given to them for whom it is prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be much displeased with James and John. But Jesus called them to him and saith to them, Ye know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and their great ones exercise authority upon them. 
but so shall it not be among you. But whosoever shall be great among you shall be your minister. In that case, the minister would be a servant, a, a, a table waiter, a person who takes, who does things. Whosoever of you shall be the chiefest shall be servant of all. Amen. And here's the here's the verse, Mark ten forty five. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. So Jesus did not come to just have people wait on him. People, he might think, well, he had twelve people. All they did was wait on him hand and foot, and he had a life of luxury and. That's not the case. Yeah. In fact, at the Last Supper, uh, Jesus himself got down on his hands and knees mm-hmm. and washed his disciples' feet. That's right. They had the. Yes. They were all looking at who's going to do this. Uh, I don't want to do that. <laughs> and Jesus did it. Yeah. And he was the example. Mm-hmm. So we have, uh, through the scriptures, we know that Jesus came to be a servant. Mm-hmm. Brother Dennis? Even. In the fact that, you know, part of his title is the Son of Man, that that can be misleading because he's the Son of Man, but yet he's the Master. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. even like you were saying, you know, he said that he didn't come to uh, be served, but to serve. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, to think of, of, of the Father coming to serve, his children is it's a unique thought yes yeah. it's, it's not it's a common like, thought today yeah the, the, the difference is that Jesus and God are serving what men need mm-hmm. instead of what men want yeah that's right yeah yeah it says in Philippians 2 7 it, mm-hmm. he came in the form of a servant that's, that's right, right. And in Isaiah, there's several different passages speaking of Christ prophetically as a servant. Amen. And uh, ministry is not glamorous, but people today have made it so yeah. that it is. Yeah. And so here's Jesus' plan for ministry and service. If you want to be great in the kingdom of God, be a servant. Yes, amen. And... Uh, I can say with confidence mm-hmm. that this assembly is filled with people who are great in the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. And I want to say thank you for your ministry. And uh, we, we know that uh, Jesus did not come to fleece the flock, yeah. but to be the shepherd and lay down his life for the sheep. Mm-hmm. He, Jesus did not have an entourage to take care of all his needs. We don't read of him going to staying in the presidential suite after he did the great healing ministry. Yeah. No, he, he didn't even have a place to live. Right. He went off by himself. Mm-hmm. He did not have an opulent or wealthy lifestyle. In fact, he, the only things he owned at his time he died was his clothing. That's right. I don't think he owned anything else. Mm-hmm. In modern ministry is... And I'm not saying that everyone does this, but it, there are enough examples of this that it, it's just you become a minister and you can sell lots of DVDs and books and you got a built-in ministry mm-hmm. 
if they're teaching the gospel and preaching the gospel, great. But it's used in many cases to get people to work for you, to do stuff for you, so that you can live a wealthy lifestyle. And to debunk a popular myth, that is not rather given. I just want to say that, that if there's anyone who is very devoted and giving of himself and his time and money, that would be Brother Given, not for other people to do things for him. Mm -hmm. Now, there are many people who would gladly do anything for him because of his uh, faith and his uh, teaching and his ministry. Mm -hmm. But uh, if he didn't, uh, there's things that he's not able to do. If he was able to do it himself, he wouldn't ever ask anybody to do it for him. Yeah. I just want to debunk this popular myth that that Brother Given set up this ministry so he could live a life of ease mm. while other people do things for him. That is not true. Right. In fact, I would say that Brother Given is an example mm-hmm. of what Christ said, the greatest in the kingdom of God should be a servant of all. That's what I see. So we measure greatness by God's yardstick, yeah. not man's. That's right. People will look at someone who's a television evangelist or whatever and think that's just great. What about what about a person who spends time sitting with sick people or scrubbing toilets or doing things that need to be done? And I, I say all over this congregation, I see people who are like that. And so I just want to say, continue on. That's, a, that's God's model for ministry, to, to be the chief in the kingdom of God. So we'll have more, but we'll uh, do a part two. And so just to recap, we're talking about things that Jesus said he did not come to do. Yeah. And instead he explains what he was he actually did come to do. Mm-hmm. And I hope it's been profitable. Amen. And thank you for all the comments. And uh, we're now going to have a, a break for refreshments and then come back. And Sister Joe. Uh, just sent me a text and asked uh, and said that there's been a shooting at a church in Kansas City. Oops, sorry. Sorry. Mm-hmm. I can't get to turn off. <laughs> uh, said that there was a, a shooting in a Kansas City church and uh, he was caught by the church security. And he uh, asked that uh, we also ask uh, a prayer of thanksgiving for God's mercy. Yes, amen. Let's pray. Mm -hmm. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this wonderful day. Thank you for your scriptures. Thank you for Jesus who came to be our example, to give his life for us and to, to serve. And Lord, we are just eagerly studying your scripture to find out what it was Jesus said he came to do and what not he did not come to do. And we're thankful for uh, for this lesson. And Lord, I'm thankful for all the people in this congregation who are faithful ministers. And Lord, I ask you to bless this food that we're getting ready to have in our conversation, that you'll be glorified in it. And Lord, we want to give thanks today. There's a, There was a shooting in a church in Kansas City. We don't know any details. We just found out about it. But Lord, we are thankful that the man was caught mm-hmm. by the church security. 
And Lord, I'm thankful that you've put angels around this church to give us our security. And uh, we trust in you, and we're grateful for your protection. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.